This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of the Jason Sports News Podcast. I'm Bennett Conlon, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, will you apologize to Marlon Eikenberry? I just tweeted that. I quote tweeted the uh, the the tweet from our, the JMU Sports News account. And you'll have to tune in. You'll have to wait till we get to baseball talk to see if an apology is incoming. Uh, I no will say they, apology. Did, they, they did lose today. I have to stick to my guns. Typical hater. hater. (laughs) I'm a hater. Uh, But no, we'll break it down a little bit later when we talk about them beating Arkansas yesterday. Great win. Great win for the program. But it's a long season, and we'll see if I'm apologizing in a little bit. We got a fun podcast today. Swim and Dive won a Sunbelt title. Basketball. Yeah, big time. Some people saying that that should be covered more. Some people. Some people are saying that. We're here. We're covering it. Big win for them. You got both basketballs winning on senior day, which is good. I feel like sometimes there's that emotional letdown weirdly on those days. And it, it kind of, I talked, yeah, I talked to a coach. It was for women's soccer. I was doing a Winthrop game and I was calling it on their senior day and asked the coach, like, is there a different, like emotional standard? Is, is there a different way that you prepare for these games? Because some of these guys aren't going to be on your team next year. And like, this is an emotional journey of these four year starters who you've gone with. And he was really blown with me. He was like, yeah, it's different. But like, once the whistle blows, they have to be able to like zone back in and like play your 90 minutes. And then you can celebrate hopefully with a win afterwards. But there is a little bit of a different mindset going into it specifically for your seniors and for JMU men's basketball, especially that's a team with all of their key players are seniors. Bickerstaff, Green, Edwards, Holman Smith. Um, yeah, everybody, all the big names. But, but a lot of big names were the seniors. So then, like, they're playing e- even subconsciously, that's in the back of your mind, which is why I think we saw only a seven point win. Um, but speaking of seven point wins, you can bet on seven point games all the time with Bet Online as it continues to be your number one source for all of your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. Up to the minute odds, stats, and trends. You can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile device. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team. And remember to use promo code Believe. That's promo code B-L-E-A-V to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Heck yeah. We love to hear that. We also love that it's Monday because you know what that means. Minute, Minute man, Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. And usually we record Mondays a little bit later. Today, 4 o'clock, the holiday, so you can listen to this. Then go over to 3 Notch, get your $3 Minute Mans. Pretty good deal there. Tomorrow, go back again. You get half off cases. Take a couple days off. Take a break. Relax a little bit. Friday, you go back. 
first half Friday, they got a new brew for you. I mean, you can really spend your whole week plus your weekend at three notch and have a pretty good time responsibly. Of course, responsibly, always drink responsibly, always drink three notched. And while you're drinking three notch, maybe you get a little tipsy and you decide you want to pop the question to your significant other. And you're like, where can I go to get engaged? There's a reason Christopher William Jewelers has been voted best of Virginia year after year. It's not just one thing that sets us apart. It's everything. It's the selection, extensive and unmatched, with every engagement ring, loose diamond, and fashion jewelry chosen for quality and brilliance. It's the service. From our diamond experts to our master goldsmith, our team shares a passion for what they do, and it shows. It's the atmosphere, both glamorous and laid back. See for yourself why people can't stop talking about Christopher William Jewelers in Harrisonburg and we cave let's start with basketball i love it let's go into it. you got the outline today you're the outline king outline king it's it's pretty sparse today because i did it right before but men's basketball picked up a pair of wins they've won six in a row they're 24 and 3 24 wins ties a single season record for the program which should, barring an absolute collapse over the final four games in the conference tournament, should be broken here in the coming weeks. Good stuff, I think, mostly this week, although, weirdly, the seven-point win over Georgia Southern might honestly kill, like, the at-large dreams. <laughs> what if they go out and, like, win by, like, 30 the next, like, four games? They're all on the road. That's what they're going to need to do <laughs> to get an at-large. But regardless of the at-large stuff, 24-3 and three is awesome. They're dominating the Sun Belt. We've talked about this before, but I mean, this is just a few years ago, a team that you talk about like, you know, any six game winning streak would have had us overjoyed. I mean, they were, any <laughs> they couldn't win more three than three game winning streak. Yeah. Any three game winning streak during the era, we would have been like, uh, at large. <laughs> exactly. And now they're 24 and three. This is an insane season for, for men's basketball coming off of that seven point win against Georgia State. They did blow out. Georgia, excuse me, Georgia Southern, the seven-point win. I get my Georgia schools confused. My apologies. They did blow out Georgia State by 20, which is kind of funny because Georgia Southern's the actual, like, the worst of the two teams. Uh, but Southern, somehow, they, they've done really well in Sunbelt play, and they stuck around in that one. Yeah, they looked good, too. Yeah, Daniel Merriman put that in the comments. They played really well. They did. They were making, like, contested shots. I was very impressed with them. Uh, which is a little bit shocking. I think for JMU, when you're talking about like wanting the metrics to look good for an at-large, just highly unfortunate, right? That a team that didn't win a non-conference game all year is knocking down contested three and pull-up jumpers in the lane and stuff like that. Uh, it happens. But hey, Terrence Edwards, I thought was phenomenal in both games. Three-point jumper looked really good. Yes. On senior day, he's getting to the line a lot the last couple. So some some great signs there for a guy, I think, has a pretty strong case to win conference player of the year. Yeah, at this point, I think according to let me check with Ken Palm, but for a really long time, it was between Terrence Edwards and TJ Bickerstaff. It's still between yeah. Terrence Edwards and TJ Bickerstaff. Bickerstaff doesn't have necessarily like the wow moments like he, he did at the end of senior day that that slam with like 20 seconds left to go up, I think, 10. And then Georgia Southern hit a three at the at the end of it to make it seven. But Bickerstaff is just going to get you a double double and you're going to like it. And then Terrence Edwards is going to do some things that makes you pull your hair out at times. But at other times, he's just absolutely electric from deep. He was really, really solid in the second half against Southern, which was 
kind of important in that game because if not, if not for his fantastic second half play, he uh, he he they may have lost. Uh, Daniel Merriman, TJ Biggerstaff feels like he's on a bit of a minutes restriction too. Wouldn't be shocked at that because he has been dealing with like injuries and sickness throughout the season, so he might just not be at 100% game shape. It also be could be because Jalen Carey is a monster and they never play them both on the floor at the same time. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't even though they're both really good. They don't ever seem to really need to go big <laughs> in the Sun Belt. Maybe that would have been funny. Even if now. they did, I don't think they would play them both on the floor. I think I they'd bring in Jarrell Roberson or like not Jalen Carey and TJ Bickerstaff on the court at the same time. They like to keep them separate and it's it's working pretty well for them. So they're they're both playing well. They have a post presence for the first time in years. The guard play is good. That's really cool. It's also cool to see a guy like Edwards develop. His offensive rating his freshman year was 90. And he shot, it's closer to like 110 now. And he shot, um, I think he was below 50% as a free throw shooter. And now he's over 80% and is one of their most reliable guys at the line. He has kind of an unorthodox looking jumper, but it goes down a lot. Yeah, it's very unorthodox. Yeah, his freshman year, a 90.2 offensive rating. He peaked out at 2023. Last season, he was used on about, he he had took up about 56% of the team's minutes, had 109 offensive rating, and that was his best overall season. However, this year, he's being used at a much, much higher clip. 75% of the minutes, he's on the floor. And he has 108 offensive rating, so not a huge drop-off. He's used on more offensive possessions. He takes more of the team shots. He takes 27.4% of the team shots. And he has a 47.6, ooh, not 0.6, uh, field goal percentage. He's been awesome, man. So shout-out to him. I know his. he's not a perfect basketball player no, this no. level. Sorry, what were you saying? <laughs> I was saying – that he's been awesome. Yeah. And nobody's perfect at this level, especially. So, like, when we pick him, like, he's still very good. Like, he's the best player in the conference. So, we're like, oh, I wish he would pass, like, know exactly when to pass and exactly when to take shots and exactly when to read a defense like this. Easier said than done, especially when you're, like, driving into a seven-footer and having to make a split-second decision. He's been phenomenal. Um, seems like his JMU career is over, which is not unexpected, even though it sort of led to like a weird thing this week with Jamie fans almost seeming surprised, even though he's talked about this kind of a few times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It seems weird. like going, I think he went on Isaac Ugu's podcast last year and said this was going to be his last year, or at least hinted at that. Yeah. I, I thought it was always known that this was his last year. I, I always assumed this would be his last year. He goes and gets an NIL bag and then, tries to go pro yeah i think he'll probably like do it's still this. the still yeah. that like it's the thing where you can put your name in and the nba guys give you feedback and you don't actually have to enter the draft you can withdraw and then go somewhere else that yeah. seems like it would make a lot of sense that seems like the route that i think terrence edwards would do and um kind of shocked that matt lewis didn't do it or anything like that but good to see uh, michael green continues to be very interesting in his conference play he was electric against Akron last Saturday where he, like, I think went four or five from deep. Didn't attempt a three this weekend. Yeah, that's odd. Like, he's just such an interesting player. Like, when he's on, I would argue he's one of the best players on the team. I think early on in the season, I was saying, is it is Michael Green, is MG3 the sneaky best player on the team? 
had the slow start to 2024. Then against Akron, it looked like he was back. But now if you look at his conference and non-conference splits, you're like, huh. They play him in a very different role in conference games. Confusing. But he can still create. He seems like his confidence is mostly back. Yeah. He can create off the dribble No points a against uh, Southern, though. Three assists, I think, in that one. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, With one. But he was like over yeah. two from the line or something. <laughs> like, He's so weird. But he was also, I forget his, whenever he went to the line, something happened near the baseline. He shot his first one, like cracking up, laughing. So I don't, I don't know exactly the situation, but I just remember him like cackling and then shooting and missing. It was like, what is happening <laughs> this game? Well, especially for, for me, the dumb metric fan. Where I'm like, you gotta win by a certain amount, boys. And they're like celebrating Bickerstaff's dunk late. And I'm like, contest, contest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, everyone's like, whoa, this game's so much fun. And you're like, no, we didn't win by 30. This is gonna hurt our at large chances. It's the system feels broken sometimes, but that's okay. Guys, in case you were curious, uh, Bennett is a blast to watch sports with. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Cover the spread. What are you doing? I bet you minus 19. You're only up 18. Take the shot. (laughs) This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, man. All right. That brings us to this week's Three Notched Weekly Preview. We look ahead to Marshall and guess who? Georgia, Georgia Southern, Southern again. This time on the road, the Dukes took down Marshall back on January 20th, 67-52. But this time, they are heading to Huntington, West Virginia. Since that January 20th matchup, I think Marshall has regressed just a little bit. Their offense is one of the worst in the nation going up against the JMU defense, which is 61st best in the nation. And then Marshall's defense doesn't wow you. They're kind of middle of the road, nothing special. So Huntington's a tough place to play, but it's not been that difficult this season as the Thundering Herd are in a bit of a down year. Yeah, they're not great this year. This is a super winnable game for JMU. And last time this game happened, I was like, look, both teams love to run. Sit down, watch this game. You're going to have a great time. It's going to be a ton of fun. I did it myself. And as you mentioned, 67 to 52 is not quite the shootout that I uh, predicted, especially when I bet the over in that game and came about 40 points short. It was disappointing. But anyway, I don't know what to expect in this one. I think JMU actually weirdly feels comfortable grinding out Marshall and like playing a half court game. Cause I don't think they believe that Marshall's capable of doing it. So it could end up being a little bit more defensive and ugly. Cause the Dukes seem to like leaning on their defense. Yeah. And then on Saturday, February 24th, the day before my birthday, uh, JMU goes to Statesboro, <laughs> Georgia to take on Georgia Southern again, JMU is, according to Ken Palm, a 14-point favorite in that one. However, all of Georgia Southern's wins this season have come at home. So they don't win on the road you all that often. Check that. <laughs> all of their wins have been at home. That's not true. <laughs> no, sorry, I, I worded it wrong. God, you're over here being the, the... They have yet to win away from home. <laughs> is that right? 
Yeah, so they have one, two, three, four, five wins. Three are home, yeah. two are away. How so do they, they get yet to win to... away from home if they have two road wins? What am I trying to say? I don't know. <laughs> There's a point here. <laughs> I, was, I was like, he's pranking me. This is some sort of bit. I don't know what I was trying to say. <laughs> I think what I'm trying to say is they're better at home kind of a little bit. I think bit. that's fair, though. They are a lot better at home. <laughs> that's what that was my point that's where i was trying to get to and i just stumbled through bad statistics i apologize um it's a it's a holiday it's a federal holiday coming to black Bennett. here's here's an interesting thing about the recent home games their last two home games were losses but both overtime buffalo stinks they took app to, to overtime at home georgia southern is like sneaky good in conference play they beat georgia state by 16 at home Beats Southern Miss by 21 at home. <laughs> it's weird. It, this is in conference play. Georgia Southern has decided to stop trying to play defense. But their offense has gotten better than the sixth ranked offense in conference play this season. They play at an exceptionally high pace. They have the fourth quickest possession length at just 16 seconds. Their defense has suffered from it, but they're the second best three point shooting team in conference play there they have the second best effective field goal percentage maybe that's it maybe at home their offense just takes it to even another level where opponents struggle to slow them down and then you just get into shootouts which kind of scares me because jmu on the road this season has struggled a little bit and it kind of sucks a little bit um i saw a lot of people being like hey it helps that they're on the road in terms of like the metrics and stuff it does but georgia southern's metrics are so bad that you mentioned it Ken Palm's got him as a 14-point favorite. They just played him at home and won by seven in a game that was, like, kind of competitive. I don't know. Like, it's going to be hard for them to improve their metrics if they need to win by 15 or more against a Georgia Southern team that's probably playing a lot better now than their 307 rating says. Yeah, I agree. And also, the other tough part about it all is, after these two road games, you finish out this season with two more road games. Yeah, and... Georgia Southern, they got four games at home to end the year. They're going to have all that confidence going to the Sun Belt Tournament, Dark Horse. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> the, yeah, they have yet to win a neutral site this year. I can say that correctly. That's true. Something to but monitor. I've been saying it all season. I expect JMU to maybe drop one of these down the stretch. I think if there's one that they're going to drop, hot take, it, it's going to be Southern. That's a fun take. That would be brutal for their. <laughs> I mean, their at large chances are already <laughs> slim to none. What yeah. was it that have you? I know you uh, relig religiously check bracketology. Yeah. Uh, what is bracketology looking like right now? Is JMU and the next four out, first four out? I know they were sniffing around. They've been some. sniffing around. They haven't been included yet in either the, what is it, first four out or next four out quite yet. So there's like eight teams right there on the bubble. Um, maybe if they win the last, I don't know, if they, if they get the next four with some commanding wins. We'll see what it looks like okay. after that. They could, they could be in the mix, but here's, here's my question for you. Hit me, hit me. And it sounds like your answer is a no, but can they get through? So theoretically, if they're to win the Sunbelt tournament, you play three games. That'd be their next seven games would then be on the road or neutral floor. That's a hard stretch to go seven and zero with no home games. Yeah. It's really tough. 
Can they do it? Maybe. Will they do it? They got to. That's where, that's where honestly, part of me, part of me, and this isn't totally true, but like if they do drop one of the next four and like you get a loss, whatever, and then it's just all the eggs in the tournament basket, not the worst thing in the world. I think all the eggs are in the tournament basket now. Probably. That's probably true. But if they, I guess they have the outside chance that if like, if you win all these games by like 15 to 20. The the plus side of how it all is shaking out though, they're going to most likely be a top four seed barring some unprecedented yeah. collapse. So you do, you do have seven games in a row, but you, between the end of the season and then mm-hmm. the start of the Sunbelt tournament, you're not playing until like March. You get like two weeks off, right? I think it's at least, uh, at least definitely earlier than others, but it's at least like a week. Yeah. Let me see. I think you don't play till Thursday of that week. So They're I don't think weird. you're playing until the seventh. They, uh, they end on like a Monday. So I think they don't play till like a Saturday. Okay. So whatever it is, you have the double buy is what I'm getting at. Yes. So you miss the first two days of the, the tournament. Well rested, yeah. And so your final game of the 2024 season is March 1st. So you're getting at least a week off. That's true. So it's not Where you that. You do go home and you get to practice at home. They're not going from Conway, South Carolina to Pensacola to sleep in a hotel for seven days. And I guess on the plus side, like if you could pick two teams to play on the road to end the year, like Georgia Southern, Coastal, both kind of suck. Like I know Georgia Southern's playing better, but like Marshall, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, Coastal Carolina, not a particularly intimidating four. Yeah. Yeah. Except for Georgia Southern. We saw what that just happened. But anything else you want to add in this preview? What I watch for? Anything like that? Looking ahead to this weekend, a Wednesday and a Saturday game? No, I think the at-large is pretty much dead as much as I'm still tracking to see if they can win by 20 plus. And the issue is they can't really like pick up any great wins where if you're like an ACC team and you're Pitt or someone, like the quality of team you're playing and the opportunity to pick up wins against good teams without having a loss hurt you is far greater than what JMU has where JMU is expected to win each of the last four. And if they win them by like five points, it's actually going to hurt them. That seems just like a really hard spot where you have to go on the road and you got to win by like 20 plus to kind of put yourself on the bubble is unlikely. Their best chance at this point is App State continuing to win and App State winning by 20. So their net continues to rise and that becomes a better loss. And then that in some weird roundabout way. But yeah, maybe the system's broken. But all right, that brings us to women's basketball. They get back into the win column against Coastal where they kind of thoroughly dominated the Chanticleers. But I think a really big thing coming out of that, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, Heaven Bristow and Kozlova, Susha Kozlova, were out of the game, I think both in a boot. Kozlova was on a uh, was on a scooter. This was Coach O's comments after the game when asked about it by Daniel Merriman. And pregame with your senior night honorees, we see Heaven, who's in a boot, as well as Susha, who's on a scooter. Is there any updates to their health? Oh. <coughs> Sorry, um, no updates as, as right now. They're they're both they're both out today, and we'll see we'll see what it looks like Monday Tuesday. He so, looked like uh, <laughs> he looked like he was about to talk about pasta or something. Tommy DeVito, <laughs> Tommy Cutlet. Um, so I don't think that was necessarily a rousing way to feel good about the the future of Bristow and Kozlova this season. Um, kind of a bummer, late season injuries, but. 
the Dukes went out and played against Coastal with both of those players on the bench, and they played very well. Yeah, I don't think there's any chance they can win the Sun Belt without. I'm gonna be. I don't think they can do it without without both. Like I think they need both. Yeah, I mean both are such like important pieces to the team. Like maybe they could come together and, and get things going, but like Kozlova is arguably the best post player in the Sun Belt. Bristow makes the offense work, and with both of them out, Goodman's very good. But I just think Kozlova is one of the best players in the Sun Belt. Yeah, it's that's a hard one. I mean, you've got like Bristow does everything well. She can score a little bit, can rebound, can pass, defends at a high level. Like, I don't know, they talked about her coming into the year completely changing how the team would look, and she's looked pretty solid since she came into the lineup halfway through the year. Kozlova's like just super efficient. And I mean, she's still averaging seven rebounds a game, and it still feels like sometimes she could go out and get like double what she's getting on the glass, but yeah. elite scorer down low that you can't replace. It just, it's kind of the thing we talked about earlier where it puts so much pressure on McDaniel and Hazel to go out and ball that over, you know, multiple games, needing to do that with a winner go Seven home. Seven games. Yeah. Or four. That's going to, yeah, that's, that's going to be hard. Like you want the double buy and if you get the double buy, then you got to win three in a row against pretty good teams. Cause the top of the Sun Belt's pretty similar. Huge blow. Just massive. I, and this weekend, you got Georgia Southern and App both on the road. The women's team also finished their season with four games on the road. And it just makes it really tough because if you're fighting for that double bye, you essentially need to go three and one over this weekend without your two best players, it sounds like. Maybe, I think they said maybe they're getting Bristow back, but they have to take some time and figure it out. I don't think there's a timetable on Kozlova. This is... Tough injury luck again for the women's basketball Dukes. Happens to them. It feels like very often where they've Do you remember? Lost. Do you yeah. remember 20, was it 18? 20, the 2017, 18 season when Lexi Barrier, Kamaya Smalls both got, got injured yeah. in the first game of the uh, CAA. And then they went on an NIT run because they all got healthy. <laughs> They were definitely like a fun tournament team if they get in. And then the way they were playing during COVID, like, yeah, could have been like winning an NCAA tournament game kind of fun. And now this is tough because they're probably one of the top contenders or at least close, right? They're the only team to beat Marshall this year uh, in conference. Yeah. yeah. And so it's going to be a tough weekend for them. There was a really interesting note in that press conference, uh, the post game press conference after the Coastal win. Uh, it was that. McDaniel still has two years of eligibility and Coach O is hoping she takes them. So there's no word right. there where he's just like, yeah, she's done after next year. He kind of made a comment of like, yeah, I hope she stays for the two. They should be good next year. Should be They've very Mc, good next year. McDaniel, Hazel, a bunch of other players that are uh, pretty yeah. darn good. They sit at 18 and nine currently 10 and four in Sunbelt play. All right, that brings us to News or Snooze, presented by Christopher William Jewelers. Bennett will give me three quotes or storylines, and I'll say if they're newsworthy or snoozeworthy. Ow, I just hit my knee on my desk. All right, hit me. All right, all men's basketball here. This is from Terrence Edwards. This is post-game following senior day. He says, the next time I come here, I'll be watching instead of playing. Oh, cute. Newsworthy. But it was known that this was his last year. I feel like 
I feel like he's made that pretty clear, like through some channels that maybe a lot of people didn't notice, but like the Uku podcast, they were talking about like transferring and NIL and all this stuff. And it sounded like he wanted to give Jamie one more year and then whatever he's doing, he would like to be compensated yeah. <laughs> more Fantas- than what he is. Fantastic growth from Terrence Edwards every year. He got exponentially better. He's now going to probably finish out his JMU career with the Sunbelt Player of the Year award. He's going to help lead JMU to a Sunbelt tournament win, potentially, uh, at least really compete in it, and maybe an NIT run or an NCAA at-large, depending on how everything shakes out. Terrence Edwards is the leader of this team. Terrence Edwards means so much to this team, and uh, I hope when he comes back to Harrisonburg to watch the games as a viewer – he doesn't have to buy a drink. I hope he doesn't have to buy a hot dog. I hope he doesn't have to go to Finnegan's Cove and smoke his own cigarette. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And part of me hopes hopes he goes pro. Maybe he has an NBA shot and he doesn't have to play somewhere else. And he uh, can just only be a college Duke. But realistically, I think a power six makes sense. I think the, the most likely route is he explores professional opportunities. He gets feedback on what his game needs to improve on. And he goes to a power six. Perhaps West Virginia. Perhaps West Virginia. That hey, that's good foreshadowing. Hit me with the next one. All right, from this, uh, um, let's do a Mark Byington quote, and then we'll get to our doozy of a newser snooze. Okay, this is Mark Byington talking about Georgia Southern. He says, if you look at their record and say, "All right, you're supposed to do something more than that," that being a seven point win, you're going to diminish how well they played. Newsworthy. I think it is worth noting that Georgia Southern did play an exceptionally good game, and Georgia Southern for some reason, is one of the best offenses in the Sun Belt in Sun Belt play. Uh, they're 0-13 against teams not in the Sun Belt. What, they're 5-7, and 5-8 against teams that are in the Sun Belt. It doesn't yeah. make sense. I kind of wish, and I know they had the Sun Belt Mac Challenge, I kind of wish there were more ways for college basketball to work in, like, January, February non-conference games. And I know that's hard logistically because you're trying to play all your conference games, but it, it feels like there's a handful of uh, of Sunbelt teams that are playing significantly better basketball now than they were in November that if they played like a random out-of-conference team. Like Arkansas State looks very good right now, and to start the season, they were kind of horrendous. Yeah, I agree. I also think, where was I going? I don't know. Yeah, you're right. You ready for the doozy? I'm ready for this one. This was the one we foreshadowed. Hit me. Okay, we got some rumors. And one of these, I don't know the link, but one of these was uh, basically a Trilly Donovan. I don't want to say knockoff, but what kind of a knockoff? Not as good as Trilly Donovan, but had some like college uh, college basketball rumors and scoops. And uh, one of them was that Mark Byington is a leading candidate to get the West Virginia head coaching job. And also of note, college, Collegiate Sports Associates which placed uh, Byington with Jamie, sort of paired them. It was a consulting firm that was involved with the coaching search. Um, They were uh, in Morgantown at West Virginia a few days ago. So they got some Byington connections. They got some West Virginia connections, potentially some smoke there. And where there's smoke, there's fire. Is that what the saying is? Yeah. I think that's newsworthy. Uh, It's a little worrisome, but I'm going to throw a question at you that you kind of posed off air. Would West Virginia fans be happy with that hire, specifically if JMU doesn't win the Sunbelt tournament and is just an NIT team? Not that sexy on paper. 
Especially like, in the the, big like we know, yeah, we know how good Mark Byington yeah. is as a coach. He took a dumpster fired team and turned them into what they are now. But on paper, do you think West Virginia fans would be happy going from uh, potentially racist Bob Huggins to Mark Byington? Well, it's also just a tough driving. Sorry, tough. <laughs> well, there's probably all allegedly a, a <laughs> tough spot in terms of just like the conference and the coaches. If you're West Virginia, like. Bill Self, Kelvin Sam. So like some of these programs and coaches. <laughs> TJ Otzelberger. Yeah. So it's like if you're not coming out there with a uh a brand name, I wonder how they would respond. But interesting, because I do think Byington at some point here is due for due for a real strong power six look. My take is uh I don't think he gets poached away if they don't win an NCAA tournament game. I think that's fair because he he still hasn't actually taken any team to the NIT or NCAA tournament, which isn't really a fault of his own because he's done a lot with the teams that he's coached. But if you're trying to get a power six job, I feel like you need some of that to like get the fan base and everybody stoked. Yeah. Do you want to hear his buyout if he does leave? Yes. This is hot off the presses. A buyout in Mark Byington's contract is sitting at $500,000 if he goes to an ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, Big East, Pac-12, SEC, or American Athletic Conference school. Hmm. It's 400000 for any of the other conferences. Not bad because it's close to like a one-year salary, isn't it? Um, His one-year salary is – why can't I find it? Four hundred and forty. It's more than a, his yearly salary. He's making right, four hundred. Well, <laughs> let's quickly crazy. break down some Mark Byington contract stuff. As we, this was hot off the presses. Mark Byington's getting paid for. We'll write up a little thing on on his uh, on his contract that you can oh, check yeah. out at jmusportsnews.com in a few days, few weeks. But Byington gets paid four hundred and forty five thousand dollars per year. Um, he has some incentives boosted in this year. Uh, he's gotten a few bumps. Depending on how uh, how App State finishes the year, wait, we didn't beat him. Never mind. If they beat him in the conference champion, he gets five thousand dollars for every top seventy five RPI win. Wow! And or tw- power five pa- or power five win. That is kind of funny though. That like winning at Michigan State can be the same payday as like neutral floor of rap. <laughs> also, also. He gets a $2,500 bonus for five games that the AED selects before the season. So there's five. Oh, random that's games. funny. There's so there's five random games that Jeff Bourne goes, you win that one. You'll get $2,500. You win that one. Oh. You'll get an extra $2,500. Here's a question for you. Which, what do you think is five for this year? Michigan state, Kent state um, winning the, what was it? The Bermuda classic. I don't remember the name of it, but (laughs) (laughs) I think winning that, um, and I think app twice. I don't know what else would be on. He could have just done three ODU games. He could have been like, "Hey, every ODU game, (laughs) (laughs) five hundred bucks." You basically Um, play him five times. He also gets ten thousand extra dollars for twenty games, twenty wins. Another twenty thousand dollars, or I guess it's then twenty thousand dollars of a bonus when his team wins 25 games. Nice. So he's hit bat. 
Um, he gets an extra 10 grand if the team finishes in the top three and an additional 15 if the team finishes first, including a tie. Really? They might yeah. be able to get the tie. So um, conference tournament, five grand for a quarterfinal win, five grand for a semifinal win, 10 grand for a championship win, NCAA tournament, 10 grand for getting a bid, 10 grand for per game. So not even a win, but per game played through the round of 32. So it'll be more advantageous oh. for the JMU men's basketball head coach to get a first four game because <laughs> he has an additional opportunity to make $10,000. Um, 50K for participating in the Sweet 16, another 50K for participating in the Elite Eight, another 75000 for making it to the final four, 75,000 for making it to the championship game and a hundred thousand for winning the championship. That was, yeah, I hate that, that little NCAA tournament thing. Remember when Jamie was like the play in 16, I guess that was before our time, but I First remember four when they played LIU Brooklyn, a school that no longer exists. They were, uh, I remember early when I was on campus, there'd be people like in the athletic department. They're like, yeah, recent NCAA tournament win. I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I don't know where else going with that. Uh, NIT five grand for getting a bid to the NIT, five grand for each game played through the quarters, 30 grand for the final four, 30 grand for making it to the championship, 50 grand for winning the championship. He gets, he gets 10 only grand. 50 grand for winning a national title. An NIT national title. Oh, NIT. Sorry, I thought we had done NCAA tournament. What's he get if he wins the national championship? 100000 That still feels low. <laughs> but if it, with everything else in front of that, yeah, it's a lot. Four hundred. You could essentially make his yearly salary if they go on a run. Fifty grand for an NIT title. Huh. Ten grand for Sun Belt Coach of the Year. Twenty grand for National Coach of the Year. Those are all the big ones. Nice. Mark Binding contract talk, baby. We love Marky Mark. All right, where do you want to go from here? Let's go swim and dive. Let's give him some shine. All right. Sunbelt Conference Championship. The Sunbelt offers swimming again. JMU wins Conference Championship. First team this year, I believe, to win a conference title, even though they've had, what, volleyball, men's soccer, women's soccer, get at larges. Obviously, football, football wasn't would have able been. to. Yeah. But yeah, first Sun Belt team to win a conference championship. Good stuff. And they did Pretty it in kind of dominating fashion, set a ton of conference championship records, smashed a ton of them. Um, this isn't the first time ever that the Sun Belt has had women's swim and dive. They had it in the early 2000s, so they just brought it back after the whole realignment a few years ago. Uh, but they brought it back. JMU dominated the event. Uh, beat three other teams, and they set a ton of conference championship records in the process. Yeah, they were really good individually, and and everyone. I think head coach Dane Peterson had a quote after where he was obviously stoked that they've won their sixth conference title now in seven seasons, which is really cool. He also said that this one is for Mr. Bourne, as a retirement gift from our program to him, which I thought was a, <laughs> a, a fun add to a to a quote there. But um, pretty good stuff, right? Six out of the last seven. Pretty last... good. <laughs> All right, better than pretty good. Six <laughs> out of the last seven. And then last year, as so I get blinded by the sun. I was going to say, you're, really, year... you're riding a line of shade. <laughs> last year, they did not win. And they were second, I think, in their 
their conference last year. But Alexa Holloway set a Sunbelt championship record and a Sunbelt record in the one-meter dive. Uh, Madison Cottrell was really good in a bunch of different things. Jamie Cornwell um, won the 100 free and I think set a championship record. And then several Sunbelt championship relay records, 200 free relay, 200 medley, 400 free, 400 medley. So kind of dominant from start to finish over the four-day event. Um, yeah, they've been in a lot of conferences, as Daniel Merriman's pointing out here, and they've just won a lot. They're one of those programs that I think probably gets overlooked, similar to like volleyball um, and maybe even like men's soccer, I think it's overlooked given the national success they've had. Hard to be an Olympic sport, but they're killing it. Yeah, they are. They uh, continue to to win. They continue to get the hardware. And, and like Daniel Merriman said, three conferences in three years, winning two of those three they dominated the CAA when they were in the CAA back when it was the colonial. And now it seems like they're primed to, to continue dominating now the Sun Belt after winning the Sun Belt championship in, in dominating fashion. Maybe they'll add some some more teams. Who knows? More teams? They only have four teams in the Sun Belt. Maybe oh, I thought those. you meant like like more teams within the JMU swim and dive team. And I was like, oh, there's <laughs> only swim and dive. I don't know. Like synchronized swimming. And- <laughs> Water polo. That'd be crazy if they were just like started playing water polo. All right. Let, let's move to <laughs> lacrosse because uh, lacrosse is undefeated. They just took down UConn in an absolute thriller. And after destroying Virginia Tech last Wednesday, they come back up in Maryland, take on a good UConn squad and one by one goal, right? Yeah, and probably closer than they would have liked it to be they were up 10 to 4 at one point at halftime uh they were also up 14 to 9 they end up winning 15 to 14 so got tight there at the end but a nice win over a UConn team that was ranked so they've got a couple of ranked wins that a blowout win over Virginia Tech they seem you know every part the bit of a national title contender long way to go but they're playing well long way to go but a fantastic probably the picture perfect the exact start they wanted if they thought that the national championship would be how they finished the year like, you got to beat UNC. You know what I mean? Yeah. Great start. Uh, a great start. Two ranked wins and three games played. I got to get rid of my blind because I'm losing my slower. <laughs> that light just went completely dark. Um, as Bennett <laughs> makes a lot of loud noises. I'm getting blinded. <laughs> the oh best my part. God. It still doesn't even work. He's blind. The <laughs> best part of that was you turning off your camera. So all of a sudden, I just, oh, I didn't want ah, ah. grimaces. You could, I was like, I'll do it quietly. And then I started just, yeah. oh no. And we lost Bennett throughout this whole process. He makes his blinds go down and then he breaks his Wi Fi connection in the process. You hate to see it. While we try to get him back, we'll, we'll we'll take a quick listen to our friends over at Christopher William Jewelers because I want Bennett to be here when we talk baseball on the other side of this ad from Christopher William Jewelers after they beat number three slash two, depending on what top 25 you're looking at. Uh, so we'll, we'll be right back. 
There's a reason Christopher William Jewelers has been voted best of Virginia year after year. It's not just one thing that sets us apart. It's everything. It's the selection, extensive and unmatched, with every engagement ring, loose diamond, and fashion jewelry chosen for quality and brilliance. It's the service. From our diamond experts to our master goldsmith, our team shares a passion for what they do, and it shows. It's the atmosphere, both glamorous and laid back. See for yourself why people can't stop talking about Christopher William Jewelers in Harrisonburg and we cave yes who's back back again ben it's back what i miss um i i threw us to that ad so that you could be here okay. for when we talk baseball taking down number three arkansas well, and apologize. then today they lost to number two arkansas yeah that didn't make any sense <laughs> but whatever um dukes won one of the four games, three, one and three now on the season. And? And what? Are you sorry? No. Okay, so why would you Why would you not be sorry? They beat number three Arkansas. They're basically a shoe-in to make a regional now. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> so, like, it, the season's really long, and, like, it is an awesome win, but you went up against their Sunday starter. So, like, in college baseball and – if you're listening to this podcast, you probably understand this, but I just have to say it for my own like mental well-being. Coaches don't know what their weekend rotation is coming into the first weekend. If you're looking at weekend rotations when they hit conference play compared to what they started the season with, you, you'll you'll be shocked by just how different it is. You, you go into it hoping that you get it right with your Friday, Saturday, and Sunday starter. Typically how it's kind of laid out is – Friday and Saturday are your two better starting pitchers and your Sunday guy is a good starting pitcher, but isn't necessarily your go-to arm, your midweek guy. Normally you just kind of do a bullpen day with midweek. Maybe your starter goes to, and then you kind of pitch together uh, some things through the middle, but I don't know, like, cool. You beat their Sunday guy seven to three. They still had 10 hits and they were just unable to muster enough scores. JMU also had 10 hits. He's got timely pitching, and you did exactly what you needed to do to win. I'm not fully sold on it. Um, maybe I'm being rude. Mason Molina was their starter. Mason Molina uh, for Arkansas is a left-handed junior transferred in from Texas Tech. He was good at Texas Tech, but... This is his first year with Arkansas. So I don't know. I'm just not, I'm not a hundred percent sold. And then today they lose four, nothing. They lost to a true freshman starting who went five innings, striking out four across the 18 batters he faced, allowing just three hits. And then every other pitcher allowed just one hit striking out five across four. Yeah. So they lose the first game of the series, six to four. Lose the Saturday game fifteen to five, got run ruled. Then they uh, they go out, they get the Saturday win seven to three, and lose four to zero. So get the three, Sunday win. Sunday win. Sorry, Sunday win. Monday loss. Competitive. Three of the games were competitive. One of the games was not. They picked up one win over the four. I think all in all, pretty good. But at the same time, I feel like Ikenberry's been there long enough. We talked about this. Like the goal is to make a regional. You don't and, make a regional in February. 
And make yeah, exactly. You don't not only do you not make a regional in February, you don't make a regional on the first Sunday of the season. Yeah. You don't make a regional in the first series of the weekend. We saw some crazy things happen around college baseball this weekend. And it, none of it really means that much because it's like a 50 game season. A lot can happen. You have Virginia Tech on on Wednesday. If you're able to pull out a win against Virginia Tech at home, that's a very good Virginia Tech team. That offensive lineup returns their entire infield. Carson Demartini, their third baseman, he's a monster who is the second best prospect heading into the uh, MLB draft this year in the ACC. You got Clay Grady, a fantastic defensive shortstop, Christian Martin at second, and then Chris Canizero in left field is a dude. This last weekend, he went six for six for seven or six for eight across Saturday and Sunday against Charlotte. Just mashed for like seven RBIs. So if you're able to if you're able to play well against Virginia Tech, I will be a little bought in. But as of right now, cool, you got a top ranked win. Can you can you string it together? Can you go sweep Fairfield this weekend? How about Cornell? What about that weird midweek series you have against Niagara? A lot of baseball left. Heck of a win. Heck of a win. Great win. Still, but you're, you got six you got six good-ass teams in the Sun Belt this season. And you're yeah, gonna be, really, hey, really good teams. And you've also, you mentioned Virginia Tech. Fairfield's not dreadful. Picked to win their conference. I think there was like 37 and 18 last year. I just, I caution people to get too excited, right, about an Arkansas win. If you can't follow it up, like you're saying, by picking up some series wins in the non-conference, but then also doing that in league play, because they got off to that horribly slow start in conference play last year and then had a nice surge, but they were still, you know, 500 in conference. And I feel like they gave up too many in the non-conference. There's a lot of baseball left. There's a lot of the whole season is left. And now that I think about it, you could technically say that at any point in the season. The whole season being left, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, with this, that stands true because you've done one series, you lost it, you looked good and competitive in them, but at the end of the day, you're one and three. I want baseball to be successful. And it makes me excited that they were competitive in all the games except for Saturday. It does kind of worry me that they weren't good on Saturday. <laughs> That's fair. Because that's, that's supposed to be your best starter. You are the baseball boy. You watch Virginia Tech. Do you think they have a good shot in that game or at least a shot? And then what do you think about this stretch? What are you looking for when we go Fairfield, Mason, Cornell, VMI, Richmond, ETSU, Niagara? Is that like you're wanting to win so, 80% of those? Yeah, you got to win every one of those series. The midweeks are weird. So the midweeks, be competitive. If you lose a few of them, I guess that's all right. But I mean... Don't lose too many of them. Like Virginia Tech this weekend, or I guess this Saturday, sorry. It'll be interesting to see who they send out because this weekend they essentially use like their entire pitching staff. And some of their pitchers look really good. Some of their pitchers look a little shaky. So I think it'll tell you a lot about how John Sheff, the head coach at Virginia Tech, views this, this Duke squad. If he's sending out one of their bad pitchers to start this game, I think he might be, I think that might be a sign that 
he doesn't have too much faith in JMU and the scouting report says they're not that strong. Now, if he sends out one of his better arms, uh, I think that will say that he thinks the Dukes are a little bit better than, than what necessarily the overall record says. That lineup, though, is going to give JMU pitchers a ton of problems. Like, a ton of problems. They're over all good. Runs. Over under six and a half runs for Virginia Tech? Yeah. Over. Over. Virginia Tech's going to average 10 runs a game this season. <laughs> That's a lot of runs. <laughs> they essentially did it this weekend. Yeah, but they'll get some tougher pit. 10 runs. What was the national no, gonna, average last Okay, they'll, they'll average like – my take is that Virginia Tech will average – Come back to this. Clip it and come back to this because we're a JMU pod and I'm making a Virginia Tech prediction. Virginia Tech will average 7.34 runs this season. Okay. Come back to this. Virginia Tech men's basketball tonight takes down UVA. They're okay. They're fake. Okay. <laughs> All right, hot take. <laughs> but Virginia Tech's lineup is just like dude after dude after dude. MLB guy after MLB guy after MLB guy. So that's going to pose a problem for JMU's pitching staff. You're more of a baseball nerd, but I love me some college baseball. What do you think? How do you think the Arkansas series gets viewed at the end of the year? Because it'll be like quad one or whatever, right? They're like a national title contender on paper, at least right now. Yeah. So you get one of the wins, which is a great win, but you're one in three against quad. I don't think it'll matter. I do not think that win will matter at the end of the season. Because they lost the other three? Because they lost the other three, and you got run ruled in one of them. And you didn't put up a single run in another one. Like, yeah, a 4 a, a, a loss by four is competitive, but you didn't put up a run. And then in the one game you did win, 7-3, to three, you got the same amount of hits. So sometimes to me, like, in baseball, you can almost tell more about a team by the amount of hits they have. Do you follow my logic on that? Yeah, if, if I'm saying if you're dominating, like, the hit total. Yeah, like... The, the difference between that Sunday win was JMU had more timely hitting, which is really important. And Arkansas probably stranded a ton of guys, but I don't know. It wasn't like they dominated them. It's not like Arkansas scored three runs on two hits. They scored three runs on 10 hits. JMU scored seven runs on 10 hits. I feel you. But at the end of the year, long answer to your question. I don't think we look at this Arkansas win as like, Yes. Let's say they lose to Virginia Tech, one and four. Positive or is it still a, still a negative? I'm still negative. Yeah. Like I'm negative after this series sitting at one and three because you held Arkansas to just four runs on Monday and you couldn't muster a single one against a freshman starter. Yeah, I think it's there's some positives there, yeah. but I would kind of agree with you that it's not maybe as much of a like, wow. It's maybe I'm just being really mean about it, but like to me, winning a one off game in baseball and college baseball doesn't mean too much if you lose the series or can't split the series. I I think I agree largely because sometimes you'll play like a power five like Arkansas in a midweek and you just get the one. This is not that (laughs) type of scenario where, like, if you're Arkansas. You're playing a JMU team that finished at 100 in the RPI last year. You won the series three to one. You're not like pissed about that. You're not like, oh man, you know. I mean, you probably would like to have gotten the sweep, but you're still taking a series win. If you do that every series, you're pretty. They good. got outscored by 12. Yeah. 
What they, got if they, ruled, they got run ruled over four games. What if they win three of the next four? So they beat Tech and they win the Fairfield series, but don't sweep it. They're four and four with a win over Arkansas, a win over Tech, and a series win over Fairfield. Then I'm I'm excited for this team. Okay. Pressure's on. I'm excited. I don't think they win against Virginia Tech. I think they lose 12 to three. Okay. What if they lose that one, but then sweep Fairfield? Uh, it's a different feeling. Yeah. I think you got to win Virginia Tech for me to be starting to buy in. I hear you. And then you kind of go after Virginia Tech. You kind of go a while before you can really get like a statement win again. Yeah, but got... the whole Sunbelt conference schedule is statement wins. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. Like you literally don't have a game against a team that's legit until you play Coastal on March 15th. So it's kind of like if you don't get that one, <laughs> you might be playing with fool's gold for a month where you're like, we got something. We beat Arkansas. We're getting some series wins, and then you get into Sun Belt, and you like, you know, run into a wall. So Coastal and Texas State, the first two Sun Belt series this season, yeah, uh, both are like top end mid major schools. Coastal is a ranked team, I'm pretty sure, or is like not getting swept votes. in those would be good. <laughs> I don't know. It's gonna be going brutal. going two and four in those would be fine. But but they okay, need, that they need to beat up on these crappy non conference teams. Yes, that that's that's that that's the point. They got to do it, and they got to they got to take advantage of Virginia Tech in a midweek at home because they play them again later in the year in Blacksburg, and that's going to be very hard. Yes, got to do it at home. Uh, but a team that is getting it done on a night in, night out, day in, day out uh, basis, softball. They might have dogs. Okay, <laughs> they might be dogs this year. And I was. They beat Villanova in the first game of this weekend. So their their weekend series, they lose the Saturday games because it was like 35 degrees and snowed a little bit. Not great weather for softball. So they didn't play those games. But on Friday, they beat Villanova. They're up four to three. They give up a two-run shot. Then they have a walk-off grand slam from Bella Hensler. That's a big one. Villanova, the Big East preseason favorite. They're top 75 in the RPI last year. Later that day, they take care of Lehigh pretty comfortably. They play Lehigh again on Saturday. And Fleet kind of got shelled a little bit. Kind of the first time she's faced some, some real adversity this weekend. Early in her college career, she had kind of a tough outing. They're down 9-4. to four. They end up winning 17-9 to nine via run rule. So we're talking <laughs> about the lineup needing to wake up. I would, I would say that qualifies. <laughs> That's a very impressive performance picking up your pitcher. And then Alyssa Humphrey was great against George Mason. They win 7 nothing. So they go a perfect 4-0. Over the weekend, they're eight and one on the year, and I think probably kicking themselves are not nine and zero because the Southern Miss game they left like eleven on base and a one run one run loss. Great start through nine. Fleet had some tough performances, but Humphrey's been good. The offense Humphrey, looks good. Humphrey, you tweeted this. Yeah, check it out on Jamie Sports News. Twenty innings pitched, three a point three five ERA, a point five five WHIP. With 21 strikeouts, averaging just over a strikeout per inning pitch. Welcome back from injury, right? That's that's <laughs> darn good. That's amazing. We love that. And they're going to have, I think, some of their toughest games probably of the entire season this upcoming weekend. Where we're going to learn a lot more about just how good they are. They play Charlotte twice. Charlotte's legit. Charlotte's you know, you're a Charlotte boy. <laughs> They've got wins over – they beat Florida State. They beat Texas Tech already this yeah, year. Florida State win was a little fluky. If you, if you look at the very next game for Charlotte against Florida State, they lost like 11-3. to three. But they have a win over 
That's like us getting hype over JMU's win over Arkansas. That's like Virginia Tech, a Virginia Tech fan podcast going like, yeah, they're one and three, but they have a win over Arkansas. Okay, well, Charlotte was a tournament team last year. Charlotte is very good at softball. They have two stud pitchers that is going to pose a lot of problems for the JMU lineup. Keep an eye on Sam Grass. She is absolutely phenomenal in the circle for the 49ers. It's a good team. I'm I'm just being mean. I give them credit for the win. They're better than Florida State. Okay. <laughs> no, they're they're a solid team. South Carolina ranked team. This is a, a tournament that's hosted by South Carolina. So they play Charlotte and South Carolina on Friday. That's going to be tough. But also interesting to see what they do pitching-wise, who you give the, the nod to to start against Charlotte and who starts against South Carolina. Play Charlotte again on Saturday. And then they have South Alabama and UMass on Sunday. South Alabama picked to finish second in the Sun Belt. And uh, knocked them out of the conference tournament last year. And if I'm not mistaken, they don't meet in the uh, like conference season. Same with Southern Miss. So good opportunity there to play a quality conference team. If they can get three and two out of this weekend, I think that'd be phenomenal. If you can avoid one and four, though, that would also be solid. So you're looking at two or three wins, I think, would be good. Anything above that would be kind of phenomenal. I agree. So that brings us... To the final segment of today's episode, listener questions. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. As it's golden hour on Bennett's face, looking I'm absolutely fan- you. Okay, you're looking absolutely fantastic in this golden hour. Hit me. First one from from our, our guy Ben Hofer. Does the new Bucky's sway Jordan McLeod to return for his final year of eligibility? I don't think it sways the coaching staff to offering him to return for his final year of eligibility. I think it sways him. I think the new Bucky's. I- I think the music is turned off and he is left without a chair. Oh, God. Okay. From from Daniel Merriman. I can bury apology. No. Just wanted to give you another chance. Just in case <laughs> I think there's two questions about it. I can bury apology. Man, I hope they go on like a 25-game winning streak. I hope oh, so, cool. too. I hope that I have to come on with like a full written statement apologizing to Marlon Eikenberry and the, the, the staff and say – and say, if they win the next 25, I will say give him a lifetime contract. I like that. All right. It took eight years, but he finally built something. <laughs> also from Daniel Merriman, percentage chance the Dukes make the NCAA tournament for men's basketball and then women's basketball. 50-50 for men's. 25-75, they, 25% they do make it for women's. I like that. Especially that that's factoring in the two injuries. Okay. This is from at I gonna wreck you. Is there a single sport we aren't good at? <laughs> Please look at the replies on it. <laughs> Daniel Merriman, rough year for field hockey. But that's about it. Accurate. And then men's tennis has kind of been like mid for a while. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> baseball. Also this- baseball. Can't say that we're good at baseball yet. Yeah, too early, but I do kind of love um, – I saw all the accounts that were just like, 
another huge win for JMU. Those athletic programs are cruising with the Arkansas win. And there were some replies that were like, all right, they're going for a series split tomorrow. So why don't you calm down? <laughs> like Arkansas. Also, what a turnaround though. Monday game in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Wednesday game back home against Virginia Tech. Could have done without the four games, especially having won the third game. <laughs> they should be like, we're sick. We're all sick. Goodbye. <laughs> Postpone. Sorry, we booked our flight on the wrong day. We got to get out of here. But it's not a forfeiture. All right. From Meerkat, 1457. Opie. That's right. How can the university improve attendance for sports like women's basketball? Senior night attendance was not great. It's kind of funny. Uh, as men's basketball attendance has improved over the last few years, women's basketball attendance has gotten progressively worse. I think they're kind of hand in hand. I think someone responded to him there was like, you can't do it unless you bring in a person like Caitlin Clark. I think if you put a consistently dominant winning product on the field, on the court, you'll get fans there. And that's what they had during the Kenny Brooks into the early parts of the Coach O era. Pair that with the fact that men's was so bad that just basketball hungry people would just go to women's basketball to watch winning. It's a tough question. How do I think they can improve the attendance? More marketing nights, like more kind of one-off fun events. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's not saying that the women's basketball team isn't great. They are one of the top teams in the Sun Belt. But until you kind of return back to that dominance that there was, I don't know if women's basketball will have the type of attendance it had in the early 2010s or mid 2010s. Yeah, it's hard because especially if it's a double header, there's going to be people who pick one game over the other and they're picking the men if the men are like 24 and three, right? Yeah. So that's, that's tough. But yeah, I would agree that they could do some stuff where if it's a double header, maybe there's more giveaway stuff for students. And some of the double headers, they've kind of just had like, Obviously, the short end of the stick scheduling wise, like Thursday like, at five o'clock. Yeah, on bad. a beautiful day. Yeah, like that's not going to, students aren't going to go to that one. So, that's, but like giveaways, like free t shirts, cool t shirts, get people through the door, do things like that. Um, give them a better time slot, give them the second of the doubleheader. Do, do it where you're putting women's basketball first because it's a fun product, it's a fun environment. We've gone to a lot of women's basketball games in the last few years at the AUBC. Yeah. They're fun. They've won. They win consistently at home. Um, so if you haven't gotten out, I'd, I'd highly suggest checking out a women's basketball game. Yes. Well said. Okay. This is from JMU fan 1997. What's up with the college football game? JMU in it? You can check all that out at www.jmusportsnews.com. We have all the information you need on it. And yes, they're in the game. Whoa, okay. man. Get them to go to the website. <laughs> I feel like everyone knows that by this point. <laughs> Not uh, JMU this, fan 1997. I think this one's impossible to, to answer from Billy Matthews Jr. Are there any Georgia State players as targets for transfers in the spring? Other than Diablo, obviously. I don't think that's an obvious target <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with no. They're not even in the portal yet. So it's <laughs> they lost their that coach. And JMU just like boat raced that team by 60. Yeah. I also think Diablo was like a Signetti recruit. So I don't think Chesney's like licking his chops to go. <laughs> or if he's even transferring. So I don't know. No obvious recruit. No there. obvious. Okay. From Kyle Helmick. 
This is a good one. Reaction to rumors that Byington has a handshake agreement with West Virginia to become their head coach in the offseason. Obviously, there's going to be a hiring process for West Virginia, blah, blah, blah. Um, and how would you feel compared to when Kurt Signetti left if Byington happened to leave? I'd be kind of more appreciative. As long as he puts out a thank you graphic, anything's <laughs> fine. Um, I'd be more appreciative with Byington leaving than I think with Signetti. Uh, because I think Mark Byington would put out a thank you graphic and, you know, would handle it with grace in class, something that, you know, other people <laughs> just didn't do. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's I mean, handshake agreement yet either. Quite. I, I quite don't know if it is either. Right. I also, uh, I kind of with you, if they don't win an NCAA tournament game, if they don't make it to the NCAA tournament, I think Mark Byington would be, we know how great of a coach he is. I would argue He's the best coach in JMU men's basketball history from what he took this program to the heights that I think it is. It's, it's on the trajectory to become. With that being said, I don't think Mark Byington is a coach. If they don't make the NCAA tournament this year that you can sell to a big 12 fan base. Yeah, I kind of agree there as well. And uh, RIP lefty as we talk R- about the greatest coaches. Yeah. Lefty did, basketball history. Lefty did a ton of, to get JMU into national relevancy and um, was awesome in the nineties for JMU. And I would say Byington, if he does leaves, I feel pretty good because he took a program that was like in disarray and sort of, you know, brought him back up where Signetti inherited a team that was pretty good and made them better than that. But. And only won one title. He only <laughs> won a Sam one title Houston he... state meltdown and you didn't have a thank you graphic. <laughs> he couldn't win big games. He couldn't do thank you graphics. <laughs> He wasn't as nice as I wanted him to be to the media. He doesn't look like Bob Chesney. <laughs> He's actually looks like my uncle, and I don't appreciate that, okay? Uh, Daniel Merriman asked, is Chesney going to pick up more transferred defensive backs in the spring? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. From, from Mangy Dog, is fat Tarrant... <laughs> <laughs> Is fat coming back? <laughs> Basically, is fat coming back? And then I was going to say fat, a.k.a. Terrence Edwards. And so I said Terrence Edwards. And I was just like, fat Terrence Edwards. <laughs> is he coming back? Or is he ready to move on? I think he's ready to move on. Yeah. Everything that he has said has made me believe that he's ready to move on. Yeah. Okay, from Stephen Ag, Update on the athletic director search. They've kept this one really close to the chest. There's no updates. Haven't heard. Best. I think that's the same. Close to the best. It could be either. Close to anything. Okay. Close. Yeah, to I haven't home. heard any updates, but I've got my my list of people. Who's your list? Anybody who's willing when they leave to put out a thank you graphic. <laughs> Bleed purple nation at Duke's SN. What do you think the ceiling? What do you think the ceiling is for these baseball and softball teams? Possible floors too. Floor for baseball is last place in the Sun Belt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm eating up the hater mentality. The ceiling feels like Fourth. Omaha, though. Oh, I mean, like a rematch with Arkansas to <laughs> to win the whole thing. <laughs> um, I think the ceiling is way too aggressive. Like we just laid the foundation, and me and Bennett are sitting here with the blueprints, and we're like, why don't we take off the ceiling and raise it four more floors? I think the ceiling in that case is the NCAA regional. Yeah, I think a ceiling is probably a regional. Softball ceiling also feels like a regional. I don't know. If, they, if their offense can play like that 17-run game, might be a super. 
We'll see with the pitching staff they can keep the consistency. Okay. That'd be cool if they were making a run at it. We'll learn more. But yeah, they definitely have I would say they have a higher ceiling than baseball. I think the floor for for softball is middle of the pack in the Sun Belt, but like yeah. I think that'd be a catastrophic falling apart. It would be disappointing if they aren't making a really good regional push given the offense coming alive a little bit last weekend. And Dan Miller, want to be or bad? Chances, Chances of, of JMU sponsoring men's lacrosse. Uh, the, the, I don't, I, negative 1%. The amount of things that would have to happen for that to happen, too much. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's much of a push for that. It would um, it'd be sweet if the new AD came in and everyone's like, how are you going to steer JMU in this crazy future? Like, are you going to pay athletes like employees? Like, are you going to try to have the Dukes in the big leagues? And he's like, I don't know. I just want a mental cross team. That's my would focus. Be, would be electric. Uh, anything else you want to add? I don't think so. Uh, congratulations to JMU Swim and Dive picking up a massive conference championship win representing the first conference championship for JMU this year. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. For Bennett Conlin, I'm Jack Fitzpatrick. Thank you so much for tuning into the JMU Sports News Podcast, presented by the one, the only, the Bet Online. See ya. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.